sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back. Today we have a brand new guest on, Aaron Quayley. We are talking all about The Good Place Season 1 and Season 2. We didn't want to discuss Season 3 since it's still ongoing right now, but Aaron, since it is your first time on the podcast, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Oh, okay, hi guys, I'm Aaron Quayley. I am a writer for Hidden Remote and um, I am a huge fan of The Good Place. <laughs> Yes, and that is why we are talking about it today. I was like, okay, you know, I, I would like to get more ladies on the podcast, so I will ask around the TV website that we both write for, mm -hmm. and maybe we'll find something in common. And lo and behold, here we are talking about The Good Place. I sort of just want to start with an overview, though, because sure. I did not watch this when it initially came out. I Ooh. literally just binged it all on Netflix within the last couple months here, mm -hmm. and I had a friend, Mitchell, he's been on this podcast before, and he kept recommending it to me. So I was like, all right, <laughs> I will I will finally, <laughs> finally watch it. And right after I finished binging season one, it was almost time for season two to come out on Netflix. And then, uh -huh. you know, season three followed on air shortly after. So it was kind of perfect timing for me. I didn't have to wait quite as long as everyone else did in between mm -hmm. seasons. So it was nice. But for you, was this something you watched right from the get go when it was announced and everything? I did actually. I when it was announced, I I don't know why. I just really gravitated towards it and it was interesting because it in retrospect it kind of felt like when Lost came out and I watched Lost from the very first episode as well, um like the first time it aired before it became, you know, like a huge thing. Um and I'm sure there's other shows that I've watched that have not become huge things what I've watched from the rip, but um but Lost, you know, I definitely watched it from the first episode and same with Good Place and I just felt like a draw to it and I really loved it from the first episode. And then at the end of the first season, I was like, oh, my God, this is something super special. And so I I mean, I've just I've been obsessed with it the whole way through. So I have definitely seen the episodes on Netflix. Like, I don't even know how many times <laughs> I've watched them through. It's kind of become like instead of, you know, how people just obsessively watch The Office, it's become my replacement for The Office that I just watch all the time. Admittedly, I'm not a huge comedy show person. I have watched some of the ones on network TV, like New Girl, The Big Bang Theory, which ironically, I gave up like right before the final season was announced. I was like, oh, eh, I'm kind of over Big Bang. And now it's the final season. And I was like, eh, I still don't really care right now. Mm. <laughs> but I have watched, you know, some episodes of The Office. I have Parks and Rec on my list to get to probably another recommendation from Mitchell. So shout out to him. You know, <laughs> well, he's a Mike fan, sounds like. So does he watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine too? I believe so. Yeah, Mike Sher is the best. <laughs> Yeah. So with this, for me, I was like, you know, kind of putting it off because I'm more of a drama suspense television person. So, you know, typically what everything I'm watching is an hour long show. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where I don't know why I don't watch more comedy shows because I do like them when I do watch them. You know, I liked New Girl, although it kind of petered out in the end for me mm. but you know with the good place it's just so different than everything else that's on tv right now and you know that can lead us right into the season one discussion because while overall each season is about the same thing roughly they present it to you in different ways throughout the three seasons so far and in season one it's just such a refreshing show it's like okay 
all of these people have died and <laughs> they are finding their ways to each other here and oh wait it's not really the good place but <laughs> there is still this sense about all of these characters that makes them want to be good even though they weren't necessarily all that way when they were alive yeah definitely I, I so kind of to go back so you watched a lot of dramas did you watch lost when it was on or, or when you know on netflix or whatnot i did not you know it's funny some of the drama shows that are like really really big are ones i have never watched well, I've, I've never, never seen watched the sopranos lost. or the wire so <laughs> i'm in the process of finishing the sopranos i have season six left and then i have the wire on my list next but i haven't watched lost or game of thrones people are like you don't watch game of thrones i'm like it's really just like not my thing like the time period i I, there's like nothing about game of thrones that really appeals to me and then i think that surprises people you know i thought the same thing but it it i started what my friend this is like a tangent but my friend um she's like gifted at calling cable companies and getting like like the premium channels for free and she was like i will do this for you if you promise to watch game of thrones and i was like fine it's worth it whatever <laughs> and so i did it and i got hurt I, I didn't think it was going to be for me either but anyway but <laughs> but tangents are very welcome on this podcast oh, so no worries yeah. <laughs> so so free game of thrones is amazing um and if you can get it for free i highly recommend you watch it but uh but yeah so lost is like it's interesting because um, given that you really hadn't um, seen Lost, I don't know if you know that Mike Schur, the creator of The Good Place, um, kind of used Lost as a template. Um, he talked to okay. Damon Lindelof, who was the creator of Lost, um, one of the two creators of Lost, and before he like um, started coming up with The Good Place, and he played a game with him called Is This Anything? And he would like ask him a question or pitch something, and then they would kind of talk about it. And so The Good Place, is the foundation is sort of loosely based on some of the principles of Lost, which is really interesting okay. to me, but it's in like comedy form. Um, and I, right. I don't really, I don't know if I gravitate specifically towards comedy or drama, but I, I actually, Lost was like my absolute favorite when it was on, but I actually think that The Good Place has improved upon a lot of the concepts from Lost. So that's very exciting to me. That's definitely interesting to know because, you know, while I didn't watch Lost, I happen to know about a bunch of the characters <laughs> just mm-hmm. from hearing people talk about it in general and everything. And a bunch of the actors from Lost have appeared in other things that I've mm-hmm. ended up watching for one reason or another. But, you know, it's sort of this utopia in The Good Place, and they just don't really know it, which I think is very interesting. And then by the end of season one, we have Eleanor being the one to figure things out, which is a little surprising considering Chidi is like the brains of the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even in season, two, like at the very, very beginning of season two, when they do all the reboots, like Eleanor and Jason are the only two that figure it out. Like Chidi and Tahani who are, I mean, Eleanor is very bright and she's very street smart and whatnot, but it's like Chidi and Tahani are very book smart. They're very well educated and neither one of them ever, ever figures it out in any of the reboots, which is just so funny to me. And Jason is just a, uh, whole nother thing pretty much in comparison to everyone else in the group it's like how did they get these four the idea to put these four together and you know in a way it does make sense because they are all so drastically different and I do want to talk about our thoughts on the characters and casting because I think without this core group and the way they casted the show it could have been a very very different show if you didn't have Kristen Bell and Ted Danson in sort of these big lead roles and then you have William Jackson Harper, Jamila Jamil and Manny Jacinto as well as 
Darcy Carden, who mm. sort of round out that core group of characters that we spend so much time with. And I think they just nailed the casting so well on this. And each actor plays their character so well. Like you could completely believe that William Jackson Harper knows exactly what he's saying in the show, even mm -hmm. if he doesn't actually in real life. For sure. Yeah. I actually am a big fan of the podcast as well. There's um the Good Place Pod I think they call it the Good Place the Podcast, which is kind of a mouthful, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's uh it's hosted by the guy who plays Sean and I really love it. And so they all kind of you know talk about different tidbits and different uh, like casting information and things things. And, um, and yeah, they all, I mean, Jamila Jamil is so interesting because this is her very first acting role and she's just so amazing in everything that she does in The Good Place. She, um, you know, she, she feels like Tahani. She just totally feels like Tahani. Um, and she, you know, she acts up against Ted Danson, who is this like giant in the comedy world. And she, she doesn't really seem to have any fear, which is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it really feels like this show, too, focuses on just being someone who does good just for the sake of doing good. And that's really stressed throughout all three seasons, because, you know, even though they're technically in the bad place in season one, you can see these people improving themselves as they go. And they're sort of just trying to figure out how to be team players, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I really love that idea because as someone who watches so many drama shows it's like they're all based in tragedy of some sort mm -hmm. whether it's procedurals or even a show like Riverdale where like 20,000 people have died already I can't <laughs> I've lost track in that show <laughs> but it's one of those things where tragedy fuels a lot of the dramas that are on television and with this it's just so nice to be able to be like yes here's a perfectly pleasant show even though they're supposed to be in the bad place it's still very pleasant <laughs> yeah and I mean I think that tragedy even fuels a lot of the comedies that are on nowadays like you right. know um like I'm a huge fan of Bojack Horseman on Netflix and it's very you know it's a very 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 dark comedy yes um, and I'm trying to think of like like I've been watching um you're the worst to prepare for the the season um season five which is on in January I'm a little early with my prep but there's so many different comedies that have a very dark side to them where the good place I mean you know every now and then it'll kind of dip into a little bit of darkness like with you know Eleanor's family but they keep it light and they manage to keep it right. funny and they manage to keep it um very hopeful and very kind of um family oriented which I really I really really love that I love that about um I, if you if you've seen some of the Parks and Rec episodes, uh, you you kind of know Mike Sure. He's very the creator of The Good Place and Parks and Rec, and he's also a creator of Brooklyn Nine Nine. He didn't. I don't really know exactly how involved he is in the making of it day to day, but he was involved in the creation of it. And all three of those shows are so focused on like family and togetherness and like building each other up instead of tearing each other down. And I, I just love that because I feel like it's such a message that we need now in these divisive times and the good place is, you know, even, even more so than Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Parks and Rec because it really talks about being a good person and how other people can help you achieve your goals and, and sort of make the world a better place, which is just so heartwarming. <laughs> Exactly. Plus, when bad things happen in The Good Place, they're so drastic where it's like, yeah, this would never happen. There would not be a giraffe just walking around stomping all <laughs> over everything. So they make it so that, you know, it's like, oh, if you aren't good, these bad things are going to happen. If you lie, these bad things are going to happen. But they're hilariously bad. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's like, you know, Eleanor is 
kind of looking over her shoulder basically the entire first season and she's like okay I, I have to be good. I'm not supposed to be here. And I like that they let her believe that for so long that she's not supposed to be there, even though it really is the bad place. So to have that sort of unfold throughout the first season, honestly, I didn't really see it coming because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the show going into it. My friend just kept telling me to watch it. So I was like, okay. And I, I knew nothing. I was like, oh, I know, you know, Ted Danson and Kristen Bella are in this and that's about it. So it was a pleasant surprise. And you know, season one just does a great job of setting the entirety of the show up. And I have no idea how long this show is going to run for. But mm. another thing I do want to mention quickly here is the fact that these are short seasons. They aren't mm-hmm. going for the typical network, you know, 20 to 26 episode seasons, which I think would have really changed the story that the show is trying to tell because, you know, you get that first season and you're only spending, you know, I think, what, 11 or 12 episodes with these characters. And it's sort of a very quick paced comedy. You're like, okay, here are the characters. Here's Janet and everything she can do, which is everything. <laughs> and except for eat. Janet can't eat. That's <laughs> that's a little sad for Janet. But <laughs> it's just one of those things where they pace the sor- story so well in the first season. I was like, you know what? This is definitely very different for network TV. I couldn't see any other channels really taking that sort of risk on a comedy where it's like, you know what, we're going to give it a Netflix sized season and mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. And I, I think it's really benefited the show to not f- sort of fall victim to what a network can do to a TV show. Yeah, I think in part the shortened order, as far as I understand from the podcast, is um, Kristen Bell wanted it to be shorter because she wanted time to spend with her family and do other projects. And I think probably Ted Danson was on the same level because they're both such giant superstars <laughs> um, as com- you know, as compared to the rest of the cast. You may have had a little more flexibility in signing on for you know a traditional network order of twenty two episodes or whatnot. But um, it also really allows, like you were saying, it allows the story to be paced more appropriately than say like you know I don't know I'm trying to think of like like I mean in this day and age of like when people people want more compelling story like back when Friends and Seinfeld were on it's like every week was kind of just like a standalone episode and whatever but comedies have stories now that propel forward so with a 26 like with Lost like if we kind of go back to Lost Lost had I tried to go back and watch Lost a couple times and it's 24 hour long episodes per season and there's like six six or seven seasons I think there's six seasons and it's just it's just so much and so much of it is filler like there's a whole episode about jack who the main character getting it's like why he got a tattoo which is just like it it had nothing to do with the story i mean it (laughs) tangentially had something to do with the story but um back then there was so much filler and so much just nonsense trying to get to that series order of you know however many episodes um that i think that the good place you know and mike sure definitely learned from that because he was just coming off parks and rec once he made the good place and nbc kind of gave him like a like a like a free pass to do whatever he wanted. And I think, um, I don't, I actually don't know. He's never really talked about the shortened order on the podcast or I've never read anything about the shortened order, but it's definitely a good, a good move. And I see so many people online being like, Oh, I wish it was longer. And it's like, well, if it was longer then then they would quality would go down. So I'm, I'm happy with the 13 episodes a season. 
Yes, 13. That That is the magic number. That seems to be Netflix's magic number as well mm-hmm. at times, too. Or not so magic, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, every now and then it's like eight. Like like when I first watched Stranger Things and it was eight, I was like, or ten, or whatever it was, it was shorter than a normal one. And I was watching, I was halfway through the last episode and I was just watching them, you know, one after another. They were just letting them yeah. autoplay. <laughs> and I was like, how is there another five episodes to that? Like, what's happening? And it was only eight episodes. And I was like, oh, there's only like eight episodes. That's crazy. Or ten episodes or whatever it was I was like that's crazy like that's amazing um because it's so much easier to consume especially in this day and age of just so much media out there yeah I think I I just started watching the Sabrina show today and that's oh. 10 episodes which mm-hmm. is going to be pretty nice I'm two two episodes in I have finished those two and then I plan to watch some more after we're done there, recording are this they but hour long Yes, they're oh, all okay. about an hour. Some are a little over an hour. Some are just under an hour, but it's generally within sort of like that 10 minute time frame there. Yeah, I loved the original Sabrina when it was on because I'm old or whatever. So I, uh, this I definitely... is very different. Very, very different. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I know. I just, you know, like the I kind of, you know, it's interesting to see when things are reimagined because um, it's not really a reboot. It's just a reimagining of the Sabrina story, which I'm, I'm actually excited about in 10 episodes. I could do 10 episodes. Yeah, I definitely recommend people check that out. And it's one of those things where, you know, it ties into Riverdale in a sense, but it's oh, see, I don't watch a Riverdale. little different. Yeah. Well, like I said, lots of people die in Riverdale. I think <laughs> if you go into Sabrina just knowing that, you'll be fine. Okay, that's, that's a good thing to know. But I, but I think um, with the shortened seasons, with The Good Place and with uh, with your friend um, who was kind of encouraging you to watch it, I feel like it's so much easier to be like, okay, the first season, if you watch it all the way through, it's like six hours or something. It's not It's not yeah. even, I think it's like five and a half. So I, I've made it my mission in life to like get every single person I love to at least try The Good Place. <laughs> and so I have hooked um, like a good percentage of people on it which I am it's I'm very proud of myself um but it's like it's a selling point it's like okay you just watch it and it's so so short like you can watch a season the first season you can watch it in a night really if you you know are motivated enough I practically did that I had the house to myself because my parents were on a trip and Mm. one night I just I started it later in the night though so I didn't get through it all in one day but I got through it all within like a 24 hour period at least Mm -hmm. and I was like yes I want more and then season two was on Netflix a few weeks later I was like yes thank you for answering (laughs) (laughs) when Lost was first on I was always so mad about people who would like come in um like like my sister came in like three episodes before the end she was like or she started binging before the last season started airing and she caught up like right as it start ended so she had just binged it all straight through and I was like I'm so jealous because you got to see it all at the same time instead of agonizing week to week over every episode um so I'm definitely jealous of people that get to binge the good place because you you know get to see it all at once it definitely helps make the case for just sitting down and watching it too. You're like, okay, I can get through all of this and it won't take up too much of my time. And because the episodes are only like 22 minutes, if you try it and you don't like it, you haven't wasted too much of Mm -hmm. your time either, which is nice. But, you know, with season one, Eleanor isn't the only one who is pretending to be someone else. Basically, you have Mm -hmm. Jason who is pretending to be this Buddhist monk. And I think that storyline is just so hilarious especially when he has like his little man cave room in the giant mansion and Tahani just leaves him alone in there and then he can finally be himself (laughs) 
Yeah. No, yeah. He, uh, Jason makes, like, I don't usually love, like, dumb comedy like that, but I don't know if it's Manny Jacinto or what, but dumb comedy just, or his Jason in general just always makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> like, anything he does, the first time he revealed himself, the just the way he is, like, how stupid he is, and the way that he sort of comes to different realizations is just brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, just because of the fact that the story is continuous as well, it's not like every episode is its own thing. That really mm-hmm. helps this show because if you sit down and watch an episode of New Girl or Big Bang Theory, you can pretty much pick up wherever and have a general idea of what's happening. But if you dropped yourself into the middle of season one of The Good Place, you'd oh, no. kind of be yeah. like, uh, wait, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So I think maybe this comedy resonated more with me because there was that sort of continuous storyline and it's like sure you know with the big bang theory there's backstory that is sort of there throughout but it's not really something that is a huge focus as you're watching the show it's like oh you know leonard has mommy issues or Mm -hmm. whatever and it's you know with this it seems much more nuanced as far as the story goes but you know, is there anything specific to season one that you want to touch on before we move on to talking about how season two was a bit different? Um, well, I don't know. There, I guess the only thing that we didn't really talk about that I love so much is Mindy St. Clair because okay. she yes. is I don't the know middle if place. Ever saw the show Workaholics? But she was on that show. I mean, I'm sure she's been on other. She, I've seen her in other things too. But I, I used to watch Workaholics religiously, and she was so funny. She was one of the only women. There were two women um, on that show, and then three, the three like dumb guys, and then a bunch of other dumb guys that were around okay. them. And so she was always just so that's kind of how she is she's kind of very um like sharp and very crass a lot of times and I just think she was perfect for Mindy St. Clair and I just I I love anytime she's on the show because she just she also again she just makes me laugh and she is very compelling and I think she's a really good foil to the rest of the characters on the show because she she's kind of like in the middle um and she, she her fate has already been sealed so she has no motivation to be good or bad or whatever she just is who who she is and i i I think that's um really interesting the introduction to her was just pure gold (laughs) as well Mm -hmm. yeah she's and and then everything about the medium place is great like janet she's like getting off the train and she's like oh i have to walk like what (laughs) (laughs) um and i just the medium place is hilarious because i remember that being like the very first when i was watching it week to week that was like the very first reveal because i think it was at the end of an episode where they were getting the train and Janet's like, oh, there is a medium place and a woman named Mindy St. Clair lives there and we're going to go. And and I was like, oh, my God. And then that week I just like couldn't wait to see the next episode. And that was the first cliffhanger where I was just so hooked. It was um, really exciting. Another wait I did not have to suffer through. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we have Eleanor figuring things out at the end of the season and she shoves a note into Janet's mouth knowing that <laughs> Janet can't eat anything. So that's actually pretty clever of her. Mm-hmm. And that really leads us into season two and after Michael wiped everyone's memory they come back and Janet gives Eleanor the note Eleanor is completely confused by it though she's like what's a cheaty mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think just having it really start no from... one's named cheaty in Arizona I guess <laughs> I mean I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> but to just have them start over from nothing is really sp- really a smart way to 
start season two because not only does that give them the chance to sort of do things a different way but for the audience you have no idea what's going to happen and Mm -hmm. ultimately they end up doing 802 reboots which we don't see all 802 of those thankfully they cleverly sort of pick and choose and have you jump around and everything like that and it's just amazing what they do in this season especially with janet i think Mm -hmm. because her character doesn't really have any progression so to speak in season one she does start sort of attaching herself to these characters but it's in season two where things really start to ramp up for her character and you know she falls in love with jason which is another inexplicable thing (laughs) but it's something that works for this show yeah i think well so first of all with the 802 reboots i always every time i watch that episode i keep meaning to count how many there, there really are like and and then i'm like oh there's probably like overlap with you know when they're flashing to all the different um you know food restaurant shops or whatever and uh there's probably overlap but i'm sure somewhere someone has counted how many reboots they show it's i bet you it's I bet you it's definitely nowhere near 802 though, but I think right. it's, it's, they show, they show enough of a cross section that it's super interesting to, to kind of see all the different timelines that they've, uh, they've gone through in this tiny little, uh, fake utopia, but Janet, yeah, Janet. And actually in season one, one of, again, like, cause Jason is just so funny. One of my favorite moments is their wedding. Uh, and actually Chidi's reaction to their wedding when he's like, he says what three times in reaction right. to what the girls are telling him. And it, it's, just like three completely different what's which are just he's very very like one of the best actors on tv who says what uh i think someone came um up with like a youtube compilation of all the times shitty says what on (laughs) the good place and i keep meaning to find it because every time he says what it just gets me um we can find that and put it in the show yeah oh my god you definitely i mean there might be more than one i know they've mentioned mark evan jackson mentioned one of them like last season on the good place podcast but i never got she had to like actually find it but I would definitely love to see that because he uh, sometimes maybe it wouldn't be as impactful if you just saw them all in a row but he every time he says what it's just different and and very interesting <laughs> Uh, but Janet herself, she's, yeah, she's, she's growing, she's learning and, but she doesn't really know she's learning until, um, you know, until Michael tells her and then she does the rubbing her stomach and patting her head thing. And she's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Because when they have the wedding, I don't think Janet really understands what that necessarily means as, you know, a human. Mm -hmm. And we see that sort of progression happening in season two and it's like everything starts to click for Janet and it's one of those things where she starts to develop actual human feelings and you see her lash out and rebel as well which is Mm -hmm. a whole other hilarious bit to the show and just the way that they mesh all of these characters together to have each one have their own sort of epiphany so to speak and to have all of these great moments it just by season two it feels like the show really has found its balance even though it's Mm -hmm. telling the same kind of story in a different way you know we're having all of these reboots and Eleanor figures it out every time but she figures it out in a slightly different way each time and she sort of starts figuring it out faster and faster and faster at times too Mm -hmm. so you have all of these different scenarios, but they kind of all culminate in the same end result. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because every, 
um, every time the show sort of reboots itself, which is often, which is more than once a season, I the motivations of the characters kind of change a little bit. Like they all, obviously they all want to get to a good place, but there's sort of different things motive like behind those motivations, like different um, you know consequences or different um, goals that they have in mind, which is really different. And I, I the writing is really great because it's always just so unexpected in the way that like a drama like Breaking Bad or Lost or, you know, presumably The Wire <laughs> um, was really unexpected and interesting. So I, I just love the way that it continues to surprise with the way that the characters change. And then the way with the reboots too, it was especially given the fact that all these actors are so gifted, it was very interested to, interesting to see them sort of play out like getting their minds erased and then coming back and then being the same characters, but given different situations. And that was, um, you know, really, I don't know, a a twist of brilliance on their part and especially a twist of brilliance to do it that way. And then sort of dispose with that storyline so quickly because they could have dragged that out for, you know, three seasons if they wanted to. (laughs) Exactly. What do you think of Vicky in this too because we didn't mention her role in season one as she pretends to be Ellen uh, the real Eleanor Shellstrop and everything like that but you know she sort of has a increasingly larger role in season two as she finds out Michael's secret and threatens to go to Sean with it because you know he was only supposed to do the reboot once or twice if mm-hmm. that and Sean has no idea he has done this 802 times and he puts Vicky in charge at one point to try and torture them and nothing is working and you sort of just see this frustration build up with her and it all backfires for her and you know you kind of want to feel bad for her but at the same time she's a demon so you don't really care (laughs) yeah she's um that actress tia sarkar she's really she's very versatile because when she was hired on the good place according to the podcast um she didn't know about the twist at the end of the season like most of the actors didn't know and so she they hired her to be this like sweet perfect like amazing paragon of a person and then she had to switch gears and and like believably switch gears not only for that final scene in season one but also for you know she's in a good portion of at least the first half of season two so and she really she really does flip that switch and she's really good at sort of playing both of those polar poles um or both of those extremes and i think you know she is very devilish in the way that we have come to know the people from the bad place like they're devilish but they're also extremely childish uh and they're very you know petulant and very um entitled and you know the things that we wouldn't not like i guess not like evil but they're just bad like those are not great qualities and well I mean they're not real people but those aren't great qualities in like an adult human so and they're all presenting as adult humans so you see them do these things like you see you know Michael when he reveals the bad place he laughs and then he knocks over the cactus like a little kid and then um, you know you see the bad place demons they're on their phones and they whine all the time and they're just terrible and um, and then you see um, you see Vicky and you see her like blackmailing him and sort of just like laughing in his face and telling her him that telling Michael that she needs simpler uh documents and things like that and it's just it's just so i love their incarnation of like bad or evil because it's not again kind of circling back to the idea that it's not like traumatic or it's not tragedy it's 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 like finding the funny and everything and 
there are things that are bad that are also funny, and they've kind of hit that on the head, and I think Tia Sarkar really hit the nail on the head with both the, you know, pious and wonderful and really great uh, real Eleanor, and then on the other end with the the bad Vicky. Um, I think she did a really great job. One can say the same for Janet and bad Janet as well. Oh, yes, Those for characters sure. are so different, but the actress <laughs> does such a great job of just portraying those two polar opposites. And, you know, we see her sort of not really understand bad Janet. Janet just kind of mm-hmm. looks at her and is like, what is this? Like, who are you? <laughs> Yeah, and then actually that that episode, I mean, we're probably skipping ahead a little bit, but towards the end of the first season when, um, you know, Michael lets all the humans go through the portal, which is just like such a such a feels moment. I love that moment. Uh, but then they he comes back and he gets caught by Sean and bad Janet is there, who's really good Janet. And that was actually another really surprising reveal to me, too. I don't know if um, for everyone that was super surprising, but given the fact that they had set up the whole time, like good Janet trying to be bad Janet and spectacularly failing. And then we see her and she's so she's like super competent and like the perfect bad Janet. Janet. Uh, that was, I, I, that surprise really, uh, really, really surprised me, <laughs> which, um, you know, definitely lends to Darcy Carden's talent as well. We have other great moments with her as well, especially when Michael goes to hit the button to do the reboot and she mm. has to beg for her life, even though she's not human. <laughs> and every time someone would go to hit the button, it was still so not necessarily startling when she would do that, but it was just so believable. And I really <laughs> love that she got that across so well in those moments, even though she literally explained that she was basically programmed to do this and it didn't really matter in the end. But every time she did, I was like, no, don't do that to Janet. And every time Michael's like, he's, he, well, he says, is it going to be this way every time but every time even though he knows it's going to happen and he's you know a bad or whatever he still sort of hesitates every time which is really funny because he's supposed to be but you know we find out later in season two that he has this you know he's friends with Janet and he has this love for her like you know platonic love or whatever but he um does care about her so obviously that's why he was hesitant to hit the button even 802 times that's a lot of times to do anything 802 times (laughs) much less kill your friend uh or murder your friend um so yeah I think that that's uh that's really funny yeah she and she had to follow those times too which is very uh i don't know very very difficult on the knees i guess yeah and she would just sort of like pancake out she would just be flat on the ground and it's like you know she seemed like she couldn't actually bend her knees either it's like she would just straighten up and fall down and it's like (laughs) oh that's i mean they probably did it like CGI or something, knowing TV shows, they wouldn't actually let an actress fall oh, down she that did. many yeah, times. She did. They, she did. In the podcast, they talk about it. And she's like, they like counted how many times I had to do it. And it was like 40 times. And she was also saying how she really, I'm sure they probably had some sort of pad there for her because they have like right. an amazing CGI guy who probably CGI'd out like the pad or whatever. Um, yeah. But she, she's also like amazing shape. So she's, I think, I think she's uh, ready to, ready to do it. But yeah, she, I forget how many times they said she did it but she counted because you know obviously after so many times you're like um do I really have to keep doing this but <laughs> but yeah she had give, gotta give her props or props or do she definitely did it um that makes a lot it of, even more impressive <laughs> yeah and that um I'm actually trying to find it in my notes but I um and you might know because you're from California but that 
uh, that's the the scene with the Janet button takes place in a certain mm-hmm. like cove in California or a certain beach that's like actually a public beach. And um, okay. my husband and I go to California like about once a year because it's just, just so amazing out there. But and I'm like, next time we go, we have to go visit the Good Place Beach, <laughs> and we have to like you know just like hang out there and whatever because it's just I don't know it's such a beautiful little spot. And when they said that it was a public beach on the podcast, I was like, we're gonna go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think if it's one that I would necessarily recognize. There's there's a lot of beaches here. Yeah, and they're all beautiful, exactly like that. But yeah, I'm like I'm scrolling through and I can't I can't find it. But yeah, like Huntington Park is another location that I'm like like next time we go out there because the podcast just started this summer and so. I, you know, didn't necessarily know all the places. So next time we go out, I'm going to be like, okay, we have to go to all the good place places because <laughs> they're all just so beautiful and like idyllic. And I mean, the ones that are, um, you know, you know, real places, they're very beautiful. And I think I would like to pretend that I'm in the good place. So I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know it off the top of my head. No, yeah. And I mean, it part, looks like part, of me is, part of me wants to say it's like, Newport Laguna area because those are the nicer beaches nearby but it it could very well be Huntington Beach if Huntington Park and other Huntington things are part of it <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't, I don't know I don't know why I can't find it but um yeah if I if I do I'll let you know but I yeah who knows but it's it's probably out there somewhere too and if you if you will figure it out eventually podcast, you will find it out as well <laughs> yeah I did see that they were doing that podcast and I just I listen to so many podcasts in addition to yeah. doing my own podcast that it it's kind of ridiculous between, you know, my podcast listening habits and my TV watching habits. There's mm. a lot of stuff to consume. So much media to consume. I probably have about 20 podcast episodes just from like the last two days in my phone. So oh, wow. <laughs> to, put, to put things into perspective there. Yeah, my my about two years ago, my commute changed from 45 minutes to 20 minutes. And it's been crazy because I don't get to all my podcasts anymore. Right. <laughs> but over the summer, I definitely because like I said, I'm totally like bonkers obsessed with The Good Place that I every time The Good Place podcast came out it was like my priority it was like my number one um, podcast that I was listening to. And now it's only out, you know, once a week um, as it's airing um, over the summer they did like once a week and then they upped it to twice a week so they could catch up in time for the season three premiere. So um, it was definitely one of the highlights of my summer. I had a good summer too. And that was one of the highlights of my summer, the good place podcast. So I'll stop talking about the podcast now. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. In season two as well, you also see things changing for Michael. He's really feeling like he's part of this group of friends. Mm -hmm. He's trying to become a better person as well. He's taking Chidi's classes, although reluctantly, he does it. And, you know, I I think it resonates with him. Like, you know what? Maybe these people don't actually deserve to be here. And mm-hmm. while he is sort of like that giddy child who loves getting into trouble at times, he has this understanding that I think none of the other demons would necessarily care about. You know, he likes good Janet. And mm-hmm. he likes all of these people by the end of season two. And that really fuels the story for season three, which I will 
be happy to have you back on to talk about future seasons of the show because it's kind of hard not to want to talk about just everything right now but season three is still (laughs) still in the early stages we'll we'll Mm -hmm. hold off a little on that one (laughs) yeah yeah and I think Michael too he you find out slowly that he actually is sort of in season one he talks about how he's like obsessed with humans and how he loves he wants to wear suspenders and he loves paper clips and he um I don't he loves Doug Forsett and he has the picture of Doug Forsett on the wall and he's very curious about human life and humans and like the little idiosyncrasies of what we do and why we do what we do and that actually kind of turns out to be real I think and um and genuine and that is feeds in definitely feeds into his sort of affinity for his four humans eventually I think because he kind of think you know he at first like humans just torture humans whatever whatever but he already has this like foundation of loving and being curious about humans and then he has these four humans that are at his disposal to like learn everything about humanity and to get to know and uh it's kind of like this you know exciting thing for him so I feel like and then Janet you know Janet is Janet but Janet is also the first Janet he's ever had contact with too well the first good Janet he's ever had contact with too so he's um michael's growing a lot i'm very proud of michael (laughs) yeah there's a lot of character development between him and janet and i did find the name of the beach it is leo carrillo state beach in malibu (laughs) so not not too close to me but it is in la area yeah i'm i'm going there next time (laughs) yeah i mean really anywhere you go like on the coast of california is amazing um but yeah i i will i'll be going there hopefully soon and uh I don't know, reenacting some Janet stuff, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) See if you can fall like Janet. Bring some pillows or something. Find Derek somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I just really overall like what they've done with this show. It's something where, you know, it's not going to come across as the most profound show on television, but the fact that it does focus so much on ethics and morals and everything like that, it's something that I feel like most comedy shows don't actually ever try to do which makes it stand Mm -hmm. out and while you know it is definitely a very specific kind of comedy show I think there's a lot to pick apart with it and you know we probably if we wanted to go episode by episode we probably could have gone Mm -hmm. way deeper on this than we have so far but it's just one of those things where Every time I see that it's in the DVR now, I'm like, oh, good. I'll I'll save that for when I need a break from everything else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually do think, I don't know, maybe given my past with Lost and whatnot, I, I do think that The Good Place is actually a very profound show if you look at it in the way of that it's... I don't know that it's teaching people to be better. Like, I feel like I'm a better person after watching the show. Like sometimes I'll like throw something and it misses the garbage. And I'm like, meh. And then I think about it. And I'm like, no, like that's, you know, I'm going to pick it up or I'm going to like turn off this light or I'm going to like do this like small thing that I wouldn't normally do that I, and it's literally because of the show. Like, I feel like I, I actually have like slightly different perspective because I'm getting all of these, all of this information and, you know, it's not a full blown course on ethics, but they do have ethics um, professors and philosophy professors that do consult on the show so the ethics are sound um right. which is really which is really great and i feel like it's you know so lost kind of tried to do that as well but they would do it and they would sort of st- 
deep. Well, first of all, it was about like a religious vision of the world instead of like an ethical vision of the world. So it was like a little bit different in that aspect. But they would sort of bury these concepts in like the smoke monster and like this, you know, the Dharma initiative and sort of like big things that you really had to sort of come up with your own conclusions, which, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like nothing wrong with having like mystery to trying to find meaning in something, but I do like how the good place is so direct about it. And it it allows me to sort of, instead of picking apart the mystery, it allows me to consider the concepts a little bit more deeply than I would in a show like, I mean, like lost, I guess that, um, or even breaking bad about like morality and things that sort of make you draw your own conclusions instead of, and there's, that's great. And there's, again, that's, that's, that's its own form of entertainment and it's, it's worthy. And, um, and, and I enjoy that as well, but I, I really like the good place because, it kind of lays it all out for me so that I like can have a chance to like marinate and sort of think about things on my own. When you look at it that way, it definitely can come across as a profound show. I, I guess what I was more getting at is that it's not so self-serious to the point where it's sort of mm. bashing ethics over your head. You know, right, they, they right. do it in a way that makes it like, okay, you know, I actually want to know more about this. And as someone who does not learn well by being lectured at, because <laughs> I find that boring, it, you know, this is actually something that is way more interesting to learn from. And, you know, I majored in music industry, so ethics was Ooh. not part of the course <laughs> curriculum or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it's one of those things where you're like, oh, you know, maybe you recognize the names of Aristotle and some of these people that Chidi's mentioning throughout. But it's something where you're like, you know, if I want to know more, I they've given us the information to go learn more about ethics and morals and everything like that. But if you don't, the show does a good enough job of explaining it all to where you don't need to feel the need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I bought one of the books and I like try to pick it up. Sometimes I bought the um oh god, it was it's the one where she wrote um what we owe to each other. She like wrote the fine cheaty note on it, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna right. get, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna read it over the summer. It's gonna be great. And then all these other books came out. I, I always buy way more books than I actually read. So um, oh, story so, of my life. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have like a big stack of books that I have not read. I, I, I try, I try, but um, but yeah. So I you know leaf through it or whatever. But I've I've been motivated to learn more, which is good. And I think that I mean that's a good start, right? Like getting people to think a little bit more deeper about their motivations in everyday life. And I I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was necessarily like a primary motivation of the show, but it's definitely, I think it's a great byproduct. I think when the premiere, without saying anything about the premiere of season three, it aired on like a very divisive day um, of the Kavanaugh hearings and whichever side of politics you're on, it was not a great day. Um, And so it aired and there were so many pieces and I wrote an article too about how it is like the good place is just such like a light in this world where everyone's just like fighting all the time and everyone is, you know, has their own beliefs and thoughts. And, um, and if someone has a different belief or thought than you, it's, it's difficult to sort of parse that. Um, and so this is a show about four humans and a demon and a, you know, not a robot lady trying to just get along and, um, and do good in the world. And that's such, so refreshing. Plus season two ends with them getting another chance to do good Mm -hmm. out in the real world, which I really like how they're sort of just 
taking the concept from season one and twisting it a little more each season to give you a whole new story while still following the same storyline from season one. You know, they're Mm -hmm. just putting them in different scenarios and having them sort of experiment with this. And I really like that. And like I said, happy to have you back on to talk about season three. Like I said, too, no idea how long this show is going to go, but we know we're at least getting three seasons out of it. Probably mm-hmm. four, I would guess. I would guess. Yeah, I don't know. I know they have an ending, which, again, if I go back to so if anyone who's listening remembers Lost, I, there was like a whole thing about people being like Lost. Actually, Stephen King wrote an article about it in Entertainment Weekly, and he was like, Lost needs an ending. Like, it needs an end date. Like, they can't just keep going. Like, they need an ending because this is a compelling story, and people who are watching it need to know that they're going to get some sort of satisfaction out of it. And I was like, yeah, Stephen King, like, you're awesome. And, um, and so... At that point in time, if we kind of circle back to what we were talking about before about network shows, networks were content to let like ratings, you know, if a show had good ratings, they would let it go until it died. Um, right. And so Lost was one of the very first shows that kind of had that end point and, and said, okay, Lost is going to have an end point and we're going to end it. And it was, it was kind of too late at that point. I mean, it was, there were pros and cons to it, but I think that other shows like, um, Breaking Bad definitely benefited from that because they were like, okay, we're going to end it at the end of season five and you'll have a satisfying ending and it'll be a closed chapter and it'll be great. Um, and I think the good place will probably benefit from that as well. And I, I'm, I feel very good that, um, the creator and the writers of the show have said that there is an, like there is an end point that they have in mind that they're working towards but i do hope that it'll go for at least at least four seasons maybe five five would be nice i could i could do five seasons (laughs) (laughs) yeah and season three already started so to have two seasons come within the same year too it kind Mm. of shows you that they have this initiative to get this story out and they have this idea of where it's going and i think you know like you said some shows have suffered from not having a great ending one of the ones that still really bothers me to this day is Dexter and I was like oh you were so good and then Mm -hmm. and then you and then you did the thing and no (laughs) yeah and that was one of the worst finales in the history of finale it was and I loved it the first four seasons four seasons four the fifth one wasn't great the first four seasons of Dexter were really good um and then it just and then from four to or sorry five to Eight? Did it go eight seasons? Whatever it was, it was seven or eight. Terrible. It was yeah. It it was. They made Deborah fall in love with him, and it was just like, and that was such a slap in the face to her because they were divorced, and it was just. (laughs) Yeah, we could do a whole thing about that too, about terrible finales. But that was definitely (laughs) one of them. That show should have ended after like five seasons. But yeah, there's so many shows that um, just you know just want to overstay their welcome. And I know, I, I think, I think that's happening less and less in the age of like increased, like the, are we beyond the peak, peak TV, like golden age of TV? I feel like we're like at the age of like too much TV, <laughs> um, <laughs> like there's just too much. And I, I, but I do feel like, um, networks are quicker to want to wrap up stories and, and cancel shows, uh, because the ratings will only be like amazing for so long. Yeah, I think networks are also just quicker to cancel things if it's obvious they aren't really going to work. And, you know, that's never necessarily been a problem with networks. It's more so the successful shows that then peter off and you're like, eh, 
why why did you let this go on for so long but i think you know with all of the different forms of media now and since we're seeing podcasts be adapted into tv shows Mm. now too it'll be really interesting to see if they go overboard on that Mm -hmm. because uh gimlet which is the company that did the homecoming podcast Mm -hmm. that show's coming out on amazon in i want to say like 10 days or so it's Uh, november 2nd or 5th something something like that yeah so it'll be out soon and then you know they had a network show alex inc which was based on the founder and you know (laughs) terrible actually tsa car was on that show though so (laughs) go vicky i guess yeah it was funny because i was like she looks familiar but i know her from being in star wars rebels which you don't see her in that show so i was like why is she so familiar to me and then i it all clicked and i was like oh okay and then she was you know the wife in alex inc which i caught part of an episode of and i was like wow this is bad so i'm glad they canceled that well my husband loves that show or loved the um the first podcast of gimlet which was startup and so we listened to like when it first because i don't know how we even found it but um oh i think because it was on this American Life or oh Planet Money. He was a Planet Money correspondent, and I think Planet Money right. aired the first episode of Startup, and then we started listening to Startup. And I, I mean, if we're gonna go on a podcast tangent, Gimlet, Gimlet's I don't know. I like Gimlet, but I feel like Reply All is my favorite show, and they broadcast like maybe one episode every two months, which is just so frustrating to me. I was just listening to <laughs> oh. that before we hopped on this call here. Um, I was like, oh, let me start Reply All. It's in here, <laughs> and I love them. I think they're so great, but I I feel like it would behoove the the Gimlet as a network to just make like have Reply All put. They're they're clearly the best podcast on the network and they need to come out with something once a week because they would make so much more ad revenue i don't know that's just my my two cents i i have no podcasting i mean minimal podcasting experience <laughs> so don't listen to me gimlet people but i would <laughs> i would like more episodes of reply although it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with things like that and obviously then you have the opposite where the good place is moving into podcasts and that Mm. clearly works very well as supplemental content for the show and like I said I haven't listened to that just yet but I know you have and it seems to be just one of those things where if you like getting behind the scenes looks at shows and everything like that then a podcast like what the good place is doing is perfect for that kind of thing while it's not a visual medium you can still get all of these interviews that you probably otherwise wouldn't be getting or you'd have to literally sit down and read the entire interview on like Mm -hmm. variety or hollywood reporter and for people who don't like to read podcasts might be better for them and you can speed up podcasts which i do frequently (laughs) otherwise i would never get anything listened to yeah and i know that you um recap better call Saul for hidden remote and uh, have you listened to the better call Saul podcast i have seen it but it's another one of those things where i just haven't (laughs) gotten to it because i listen to so many episodes are really long too so they're sometimes (laughs) like two hours long um but vince gilligan's on every single one of them which is awesome but uh i i really love this movement of networks i think better call Saul in the good place maybe it's just because i'm a big fan of both of those shows but i i believe those are the there might be more but as far as i know they're the only two that exist that are sort of like sanctioned by the network and are run i think castle rock had one for hulu oh, castle rock had one? oh i should listen to that um but i yeah i i really love that idea because the networks have 
access to all of the talent on the show. So it makes a lot more sense to have, um, or it makes a lot of sense to have to have people on the show sort of talking about it. And then, you know, there's other, yeah. uh, I'm sure there's other podcasts about Better Call Saul. And, you know, this we're talking about The Good Place on this podcast. And it's good to hear other people sort of um, breaking it down that aren't involved with the show, too. So you get both, you get both angles, which is really nice. Yeah, definitely. And I know you mentioned Stephen King earlier. So I just want to mm. take a quick moment before we wrap this up to let everyone know that tomorrow on Halloween, I am launching a Stephen King p- podcast called Yay. Chat Cemetery. <laughs> and Aaron, you will be a guest on that one yes. as well. And it's it's a lengthy project. Right now, as it stands, I have about three years of episodes to plan out so (laughs) if I do it weekly which is the plan right now because Stephen King just has so many things going on but basically what I'll be doing for that is I'll be dropping a trailer tomorrow you can listen to that get more information on what exactly the show is going to be about and what it's going to be like and I will probably come back to this and link to it in the show notes I will have the good place podcast in there we will find that compilation of Chidi saying what. I promise you that. We will find at least one for yes, you all I will to watch enjoy. <laughs> Put it on repeat. Yes. But Erin, thank you so much for coming on to talk about the first two seasons of The Good Place. This has definitely been a lot of fun and you're certainly welcome back on anytime oh, you course. want to and talk about anything. Now that I know you also like a lot of books too, we have a lot to discuss here on what we can potentially talk about. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I definitely look forward to talking about Stephen King and then eventually um, third third season of The Good Place. But thank you so much for having me. It was just really fun. Of course. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.